this podcast. I have bad words because my daddy says words like s, and other bad words too much. Listener description is advice. Hello and welcome to the Detox Podcast, a podcast for dads where dads talk about life, kids, and stuff. We are your hosts. Go on. Uh, Bat Joe. And I am Joe. No, 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 Bat Joe. It's pronounced Bat Joe. Yeah, right on. And that, of course, is in honor of yet another interview with an amazing comic book artist that we got at Dallas Fan Expo, an awesome, it's essentially like Dallas Comic Con. Yeah, it's really, it, it, it actually really used is. to be yeah. Dallas Comic Con, yeah. and then Fan Expo bought the rights, and yeah, yeah, now so it's called Fan Dallas Fan Expo. And it's awesome. And we talked to this amazing artist, you've probably heard of him, Steve Irwin. Yes. And we're not talking about the weak Steve Irwin <laughs> that died after getting stung in the heart by a stingray. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm not touching that. That's that a lot, I feel like that's, that's tainted a lot, that, ground. That, that's disrespect for the, that's uh, disrespectful the crocodile hunter, man. and offensive. But what we are talking about is the mighty Steve Irwin comic book artist. Now, yes. uh, Steve Irwin is, we, we found out later, people kind of referred to him as the, the grandfather yeah. of DC comic character Deathstroke. Yes. Now, if you're not familiar with Deathstroke, um, he's basically kind of the character that Deadpool was yeah, based so- on. The funny story about that is that you may you may or may not know this. Deadpool was was intentionally made to be a direct parody of Deathstroke. Yes, because Deathstroke is orange and blue. Deathstroke is red and black. Or Deadpool is uh, red and black. Or Deadpool is red and black. Yeah. Excuse me. Deathstroke is re- uh, orange and blue. Deathstroke is uh, Slade Wilson. Deadpool is Wade Wilson, and they both use uh, katanas. And guns. And, and guns and, and all both, this stuff. At one point, we're crazy. Right. Well, Deadpool is crazy. Deathstroke is more, like, serious, but, like, you know, kind of clear-headed, and Deadpool's just yeah. is Deadpool. Deadpool. But, so, uh, but, yeah. That's did, interesting. I did not know that, actually. Yeah. Fun, yeah, so, fun fact. So, uh, you know, if, if you ever watched, if you were of the age where Teen Titans was a thing, he yep. was kind of one of the, the, if not the main antagonist on Teen Titans. Yep. At the end of Justice League, he was teased as the next, like, kind of like arch villain, yep. played by Joe Manganiello or something like that. It, yeah. yeah. And if by, you by watch the way, the TV big D and D player, Joe, oh, Joe, Joe, whatever the guy's name Manganiello, is, Manganiello, yeah, Manganiello. Yes. And so you know, it, know. It, it, it is. A, he was on. Um, Vanilla. He was on. Manja Vanilla. <laughs> he was on. Uh, Oh, that's uh, Arrow? Right was it Arrow or Flash? Yeah, Arrow. Uh, Arrow. He was on Arrow. Yep. So basically, he's he's kind Played of Played by Crixus. Manu Bennett. He, uh, Manu Bennett? Manu Bennett? Wade Bennett? Wade Bennett, guys. Played by Wade Bennett. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really cool because, like, so this is an actual main, you know, kind of like a, a, a major, yep. ma- well-known character. Yep. Um, also uh, instrumental in the character of Vigilante, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, Steve Irwin wrote the last several episodes of Vigilante. By episodes, we mean issues. God. Same thing. And uh, he also <laughs> created, uh, co-created the comic Checkmate and the character and the organization of Checkmate. So it's interesting to talk to Steve, uh, or it was interesting to talk to Steve, because a lot of these guys that we're talking to 
are uh, you consider them artists or writers of independent books, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and maybe they've done some work on some bigger titles, which we'll get to some more guys that right. have, have done that. But Steve Irwin, I mean, he's worked for one of the big two yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, and and what's really <laughs> cool is he's local to the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah, it's and just, so it's like it's crazy. Yeah, so it was really really cool to kind of as we talked to this guy, we're like, holy shit, like. This guy is. It's also really cool because he like he signed a copy of Deathstroke. Uh, the there was a series called Deathstroke: The Terminator, which I highly recommend you pick up. And, and not the Terminator. Yeah, right, right. Not to be confused. It's not that. Arnold. Right, but the trade paperback Arnold. should be available. Yeah. And he had volume three, and he signed it for me, and I have that. And then uh, additionally, it was so good. Like I like his art style so much that I went and got. Um, yeah, I made sure I had the first two volumes so I could read like the because I started reading volume three and I'm like, oh, I gotta, I want to read from like the beginning. Yeah. So it's really, it's it's cool to to meet these guys. Did he did all of them. Yeah. Well, I think like there's issues where he jumps in and out, but like okay. you can see, but like he's credited on all three of the trade paperbacks. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, also, another cool thing about Steve, which we talked. Uh, you know about like Andrew and then also Andre and Roberto uh the cool thing with Steve is his daughter yes is is also uh, a graphic artist yes and so we'll talk about that a little bit too as you got a book for Sylvie that's right his daughter Little Monsters very cool yes very very and not the Fred Savage uh, How He Made Dealt Little Monsters not that one right it's like the little book of monsters not to be confused yeah yeah yeah. book of monsters yeah so uh anyways guys we hope you enjoy our conversation with Steve Irwin it was really fun to talk to him and uh steve we just want to thank you for that and uh we hope you enjoy this talk as much as we did we'll be back in just a moment with the great steve Irwin. We are back here at Dallas Fan Expo, and I'm really excited for our next guest. We've got Mr. Steve Irwin. I'm familiar with him from the Deathstroke series with DC Comics. Deathstroke is one of my favorite characters, so I was really excited to have him come and sit down with us. Steve, thank you for coming on to the Detox Podcast. I'm very happy to to have been invited to do this. Uh, One of the first things we want to ask that we like to ask all of our guests, a little bit of a softball question. Uh, What do you think makes a good dad? Boy. (laughs) <laughs> talk, talk about um, well, unprepared for the for the question. Right. Um, I, I think it, it requires somebody who cares. Yep. I think that's the first thing, and uh, wh- whether it's your your own kid that you watched come out of the shoot, right, <laughs> um, and, and you hold for the first time, or if it's um, the adopted right. boy or girl, or right. you know the the, the um, the child that comes with your sweetheart yep. when, when you make the big day, right? You know, together, um, it's 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 caring. I think yep. that's the first thing. The, the the love and all of that, I think, follows. But yep. but, but you but you got to care first, right? Absolutely. Now, what kind of draw you? We're here at Fan Expo, and you're here, and I got a copy of Deathstroke: The Terminator in front of me. What drew you to comics in general? Were you always a fan? Was it something you kind of stumbled into? Oh, let's see. Um, I, I've loved comics since I was a little kid. Yep. It was my, my, my first reading experience was with comic books. And uh, I, I just I've loved them all, kind of all my life. My grandfather 
used to sit on the porch in front of his house and tell stories of, yeah. I would call them pioneer days. Okay. But, uh, you know, he grew up on a, uh, a, a little farm out in western Oklahoma. His parents literally showed up there in a covered wagon with horses and all of that. Wow. And so he, he, tell, he told stories about those days. Right. When, and the neighborhood kids would come around. And my, my mother related a lot of this information to me, but the neighborhood kids would come around. He would tell his stories, bigger than my stuff. And when I was very small, um, I was part of that audience. I think some of that stuck with me. And I like to tell stories, yep. but I'm not a very good writer. I'm not the best person with words, but I can draw and I, right. can, I can tell stories with pictures. So that's kind of a passion for me. I, I always liked drawing comics for that reason. It's, it was a way of telling a story. Even if it was, if I was telling somebody else's story, right. I was giving my interpretation of it. Sure. And that's really cool. I know you had talked about uh, one of the last things you worked on was the run of Vigilante on DC Comics and kind of getting to finish off that character. What is it like for you when you're given some of these different characters? Like, how do you approach the way you're going to display them, kind of uh, uh, depict them? Uh, literally, it was, in each case, it was a, a conference between the editor and the writer and myself and a, a joint discussion of what do we want this book to look like, what kind of feel do we want it to have, and, and that kind of thing. So uh, my, my discussion about Vigilante, they just, they told me that um, just like follow the steps of how the book had been approached up to right. that point, pencil it from that, from that perspective. And that was when I, I was drawing issue 48. The, the, the series went to issue 50, which I did not know at the time. Um, I, I was in the middle of issue 49 when I was informed that plans were to end the book uh, with issue 50 and how they were going to end the book with issue 50, which is the only reason I got the heads up on it. They wanted sure. me to advance plan on it. Uh, for those who are not aware of um, Vigilante number 50, it ends with Adrian Chase committing suicide. Right. And so that, that was going to be a big deal, and it was like one of the ultimate secrets at DC at the time. So they wanted me to kind of think ahead of how I wanted to approach that. Sure. Um, do it kind of off panel, but so it was suggested, but there's no doubt what was going on. Right. And the, the second news that, that I got with that was that the, the book would be replaced with a new series, Checkmate. And that was our next very detailed meeting of, I was learning what Checkmate was going to be. Sure. And... Um, Paul Kupperberg and I spent a lot of time talking about how we wanted to approach it. What should it look like and the pacing and what kind of stories would it be? That kind of thing. And that gave me a feel to how to approach it. And then I just started working from there. And I, I listened to what the editor had to say. Uh, the editor was uh, always like right there with a phone call if if I, I was doing something that was like steering away from where we wanted to go and he was also very good at patting me on the back when I would turn in a book that was exactly what he wanted okay. so that's very cool I, I had a very good experience at, at DC at the time so. it's very good and I know we talked about a little bit on the walk over here about seeing the characters that you had a hand in helping bring to life actually on the screen. So, like, for instance, uh, the Arrow TV series, you know, you've got the character of Adrian Chase, you've got Vigilante, you've got Deathstroke. What is that feeling of finally seeing, like, like you've been working on this character 
for so long, but then to see someone put an actor in it and give it a personality, give it script, and just see it on TV, what's the feeling of seeing it transcend the mediums? Okay, this ties into the whole dad's thing. Right. It's, it's like <laughs> seeing your kid accomplish something that you're very proud of. Yep. Um, that I, I got that first sensation uh, in, during the, the last season of Smallville yep. when Checkmate was introduced. Oh, on it sure. Because I co-created Checkmate. I right. didn't just work on the book. I, I'm actually listed as co-creator on right. that. And I, I can actually say that, that yeah, it's, it's like being proud of your kid, of, you know, not just getting up in front of an audience and singing or something. I mean, there's always that, right. but it's like watching them go across the stage for high school graduation. Yeah. It's like, ah, there's, I'm so proud. Right. You know? That's really, has there been any kind of like struggle with, oh, I wish they portrayed it this way or that way, or has it been more of just, I'm just generally happy to see it up on the screen and then keep bringing it back. And I know you talked about also, uh, not to cut you off, but the, you talking about from Arrow, like that very first episode with the tease of Deathstroke's mask, kind of what has been your general feeling? Is it all positive or kind of up and down? Well, I, mostly positive. I mean, I, I, the, 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 char- the characterization was a little bit scarier and psychotic and whatever than how I portrayed the, right. the character in the comic book. Right. But I also am aware that at the, the time period of the character's life in the comic book, he had been Deathstroke for 20 or 30 years by that time. Right. This, this was like he was, that was his persona by this time. And that in his earliest days, when, when he first got the powers that, that he got, he was psychotic. It drove him nuts right. for a long time. And maybe some of that stuck with him. Maybe that's why he's as violent as he is. But in his earliest days, he was like over the edge, you know, mad, violent, cruel, that kind of thing. And that's was that's how he was portrayed right. in the series. So I, I didn't have an objection to that because that was his early days. Sure. That makes sense. So I, I was just kind of hoping, you know, in the back of my brain that, okay, they'll, they'll mellow him out out of that. Right. And get him in, into other things. He, he just kind of disappeared after a while, right. so it's hard to tell. <laughs> they bring him back a little bit, but uh, but not in the same capacity. Now, I want to talk about also your daughter, uh, and she wrote, or she illustrated uh, the little book of monsters I got in front of me. So, kind of, what has been her trajectory and journey into this? Has it been something she's always been fascinated with because you've been her father and she's seen you growing up with this work, or has it been something... That she kind of arrived at her own. Yes, I'm route. entirely to blame. She when, when she was very small, uh, I I'd go to comic book shops for appearances and comic book conventions and set up and do sketches for people and all of that. When she was old enough to pay attention, when she was she probably still in a stroller, but seeing what was going on, she sure. would see me drawing sketches for people and talking and. and making friends from right. her perspective across a table with a bunch of people I didn't know. Right. And she watched me do that. She watched me working at home uh, when, I w- when I was working on uh, a book on a monthly, yep. monthly basis. So, and, and she loves, she's always loved to draw. She's always, she, she's been a, a reader since she could look at words. Right. And so... If, if it's in a book, it has her attention. She has more books than a library. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's, I, I think I, I influenced her 
to, to do that. And, um, you know, proud parent in me right now, she's, she graduates from UT Arlington this yep. year as, uh, as an art student, uh, a graphic Very arts cool. major. So, yeah, the book you're talking about, it started out as a, um, it was a class assignment to begin with, and it turned into a children's book. And, and that was her first dab into it. And that, that led to somebody that likes to write children's books, contacting her and asking her to illustrate one when they did a Kickstarter campaign and they have a very successful book out from that. That's awesome. I know I saw it and uh, my daughter, uh, Sylvia, is very into monsters right now. Hotel Transylvania Monsters, Inc. Anything monster related she's into. So I went, I got to get I got to get that for her. I know she's going to be mm-hmm. a huge fan of it. So this has been, this is really just interesting. What has been, I guess, maybe some of your greatest parenting struggles? So I know working on, uh, working on the comics and kind of being at home most of the time, has there been uh, a balancing act for you about how to balance the work and also balancing parenting or what's been kind of the, some of the ups and downs for you I, on that? I was literally in the middle of drawing the Batman Returns movie adaptation when my daughter was born. Wow. Uh, it was like, dear, we have to put you on pause now and go to the hospital. Um, it, it, it was She was a couple weeks late, so yeah. th- this was scheduled on the calendar, so I knew it was coming. Sure. And I still have the page I was working on when she was born. So if you remember the scene in, in the movie where uh, the penguin uses one of his trick umbrellas to grab Catwoman and carry her up into the sky. Yes. And she, she breaks loose and falls down through a skylight. Yep. That's the scene I was drawing when I had to put things on pause for a couple of days and go to the hospital. That is awesome. So. Oh, man, that's so cool. It's I can so there, there, there's my first parent bump with a child. It's kind of funny the the comparison of Catwoman falling and kind of how parenting feels. It's like you're <laughs> kind of in a free fall trying to figure out how you're going to land, if you're going to land on your feet, or is it one of those things? That's really interesting that you were illustrating that page. Yeah, getting into uh, parenthood. I never thought of it in those terms, but thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> now, now I have a story, to, a story to share in the future. There we go. Talking about it. Right? What has been? Um, Kind of talking about collaborating a little bit. Has there been, I guess a better way to put this is, what has the collaboration process been for you with other writers and with other companies? Has there been some struggle? Is there a give and take? What have you learned as kind of pearls of wisdom as you've worked in this industry more and more? Uh, Well, I, I got into the industry having read comics all my childhood life sure. and reading the letter columns and any articles about how to create comic books and that kind of thing. So I came into the whole business knowing it's a collaborative right. process unless you're one of those people that writes and draws your own books. Sure. And I figured I, that was not something I even wanted to do. I, I was happy to write or happy to draw other people's stories. Right. So I, I knew that would be the thing. And to make a collaborative effort work, it has to be literally a collaborative effort. You can't take over something. Um, I I don't know that that's ever really worked. Um, You know, you hear stories behind the scenes, things in the grapevine. People talk about this guy over that guy and stuff. But in my experience, it's it. it, There's very much a give and take. If 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 I had a suggestion for something that would make a scene pop a little more, I would offer that to the writer. Sure. Before, 
it, mentioning it to the editor unless it was just a convenience thing. But I would at least respect the writer enough to say, what do you think about handling the scene like this? Explain, explain. And if he had an objection to it, whatever the reason was, he, always I'd get an explanation. I, I want to keep it like this because okay. that I'd be fine with that. Or I'd get more often than not, and I saw a pat on the head as I wish I thought of that. Do it that way. And most of, most of the comics career was drawing things plot style. So I would get a plot and draw everything out from that rather than working from a full script. Okay. So a lot of what I was drawing was up to my interpretation anyway. Sure. And my assumption was that the writer knows that. And, and the writers I was working with, especially Marv Wolfman on, on Deathstroke, he came from Marvel. That's that's how he trained as a writer was to okay. hand a plot and then do the scripting later. And so again, if I if I had a question or a suggestion on something, I'd run it by him. Sure. Or or Paul Kupperberg. And uh, they they would either say go with it or no, this is important to a story element later. Right. And they'd say, oh, that's fine. And. I, I was good with that. I never really thought of like myself as like the star of the book sure. because I was working with writers who had been doing stuff in the industry before I ever started doing anything professionally. So I always thought I was the tag along, you know, sure. they were the, the experienced people. I was like doing what they wanted and I right. was very comfortable with that. Yeah. That's really interesting. I know I, I majored in theater in college and one of the things you learn whether you're going to be wanting to direct or wanting to playwright, you know that if you are playwriting, you know that you take, like the director takes what you have and does their own interpretation of it. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about, about plotting it out. And mm -hmm. then you've got the scripting and, and going off of that and, and the writer talking about, oh, I wish I'd thought about that or I really like your interpretation of this or no, I kind of want to keep it more this way. It's it's just a really cool give and take process. I think kind of plays into parenting a little bit about you got to communicate with your uh, your co-parent about how you're going to approach different situations. Has that kind of transcended for you with uh, raising your daughter? Uh, now that you mention it, uh, you know, I ha again, I hadn't really <laughs> thought of it in those terms, but yeah, in retrospect, yeah. Um, I didn't really know the first thing about raising a daughter. Sure. I, I have only brothers that okay. I grew up with. So it's with me, it's on all male experience. Right. And, my my wife was very close with her mother so i figured she has the lead on right. this however she wants to do whatever it is i'm backing her up okay. and i'm like i will be there for a consult or whatever but, right, right. Uh, primary care parenting for my daughter was okay yep. it, it was for her right. kind of to do and, and i supported as much as i could do whenever i could do it sure. i do have a second child um he came around about eight years later, so there's a significant age difference, sure. which that age difference doesn't exist for me and my brothers. We were cats and dogs all the time. Right. Mostly it was rough housing. Sometimes it would develop into anger, that kind of thing. Kids do that. Right. These two were never like that, and I, partly it may be because they're two genders and sure. partly the eight-year difference. They, they, One was never so... They weren't so close enough to have a sibling rivalry. Gotcha. Okay. My son has worshipped his sister from day one. We, what we would hold over him you know, to always be good right. is if, if 
she is going to babysit him. He's got to be, behave himself. <laughs> and, you know, that was the thing is he will always behave himself. He always wanted a good report from sister after mom and I went to a movie or something right. and like that. And the reverse of that is he was her pet. So uh, <laughs> the, she never had a problem with him trailing her around, uh, that kind of thing. She, he was, they, they treated each other just so fondly sure. all, all the time. And um, they're, they're both, they've both been like great kids. And because he was a boy and uh, so it kind of fell on me to be right. the lead dad, sure. the, the lead parent this time around. What uh, coincidental timing on that was right after he was born, um, I was working in uh, another agency doing illustrations. And that company at that time had decided to relocate from Dallas to California. Oh, wow. And my wife's company was all but begging her to please come back to work. They gave her, uh, they offered her a promotion, offered her a raise, and I was suddenly without employment. Right. So it was kind of a no-brainer. So I became an at-home dad for his first five years, six years. Wow. So it was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't do a lot of comics work in that time. I did do um, a brief little uh, freelance thing yeah. it had been a couple of years since i would drawn any comics pages anyway so it was a little out of practice sure i thought i might be able to do this when he was i think about three years old or something at the time and uh side note if you think you can do a freelance career at all with an infant in your care <laughs> no you cannot I, I i had that fantasy too and it went away really fast but when they're a toddler you can maybe work it in a little right. bit and my my first comic book experience with my son was I made the mistake, I made the mistake of leaving a, a page I'd been working on <clears throat> on my drawing table. Uh -oh. And he discovered he's an artist. <gasps> oh no. So I got to redraw a page. Oh. And again, it's one of those things that you learn quickly as an artist. <clears throat> you learn it quickly as a dad, I should say. Is it's, it's never their fault. It's always your own. You know, he got into this thing. It's not because he got into it. <clears throat> I left it available. And so. Steve, I was wondering, like, especially with working for one of the big two comic publishers, you're touching characters um, a lot of times that have way more exposure than maybe in an indie comic or something. And not only that, you're dealing in a medium that has some of the most uh, passionate fans that have a lot of ideas about how a character should be written or drawn. Mm -hmm. um, but those those strong emotions also then lead to uh, someone's love for that character becoming a generational thing where they'll pass that on to their kids as well. Sort of like your love of drawing got passed on to your, your daughter. So mm -hmm. I was just wondering, have, have you had instances at, at conventions or things where you've experienced maybe two generations of, of fans come up to you, a father and a son or a father and a daughter or whatever um, that have both like passionately cared about oh, yeah. your work? Uh, any number of times. So, um, I, I've, I've befriended a, a couple of them. Uh, in fact, I, I, there, there's a father-son team I'm, I met. I call him a team. He was, the boy was about 10, I guess, at the time I met him. And they walked up to my table and the boy was decked out as Deathstroke. 
Oh, that's awesome. Biggest Deathstroke fan, okay, ever, apparently. <laughs> and I was just so impressed. I, I, I had his dad, you know, take pictures of me and send it to my Facebook yeah. account, that kind of thing. And uh, we, I've kind of, we've befriended each other. Um, he's a great dad. <clears throat> I don't know them personally all that well. I only ever really see them at conventions and occasionally on social media, sure. that kind of thing. But uh, he's also a teacher. And I, I think, you know, side note, for people that become teachers, I think you know, they, they care. Right. Going back to what we originally talked about, what makes a good parent. Right. Is I think you, you have to care. And he, he obviously does because he let his, his 10-year-old boy dress up as one of the most violent characters right. on television. <laughs> and he was okay with that. So I guess he, he knows, his son knows right. the difference between fantasy and reality and right. things, things were kind of, kind of yeah. cool. So this has been a really excellent interview. We want to get any last kind of parting piece of advice for parents and also for anybody that's kind of looking to break into the industry. Any last little nuggets of wisdom for them? The industry has changed so much sure. on all kinds of levels. I don't know that I could offer you any <laughs> any kind of advice on that level other than show the best work that you have sure. and show your work, not right. copies of other people's. Um, for being a parent, something that helped me be a good dad um my I, I grew up with a stepdad and he did a really good job helping raise me with with my mom but there was an adversarial conflict so to speak between us for most of my childhood that i can recall sure and it was uh my my mom was the tug of war rope okay yeah and so, and he and I, we, we kind of really came to hugs when I was in high school. I sure. kind of got it. It took me a while to get right. what he was going through sure. as a stepdad. And like I said, I have two younger brothers. Yeah. And so I, I watched him be a dad to them. So he, that was kind of my only role model. Sure. growing up other than TV dads. Yeah. So I kind of blended things together. Right. So when I have a son, when I had a son and I, I was kind of late in life having a son, I right. was 40. I wasn't really sure how to go about this. What's, what's the best way to do, especially being an at home dad. Sure. So, um, two things I can offer there for, if you're an at home dad and you, and you have an infant or a very, very small child, look for a group out there of dads that are in the same situation as you are sure. and go do things with them. Um, I did, I had a couple of different groups that I was a okay. member of and we had kids that ranged from, you know, two to 18 wow. and, and we all showed up and we all did stuff together. Yeah. So th there's that. The second thing that, that helped me when I was a kid, I was a Cub Scout and I had a lot of fun with that. And my son came home from school one day with a flyer about joining Cub Scouts. He wanted to do that. Light bulb went off over my head. I remember having a good time at that, mm -hmm. and it's something parents and kids do together. Yep. And uh, it's not necessarily a father-son father -son sure. thing. It can be a mom-son thing, but whatever. But it w one of the best decisions I ever made because it was, it was like having a handbook put in my lap about this is how you dad. Sure. It gave us stuff to do. It gave us a schedule of things to do together, things to go. Uh, and then uh, other kids for 
my son to play with. He has a couple of friends that he met in Cub Scouts he never would have met otherwise because they didn't go to the same school. Sure. Any, any of that. And he's in high school now. and they, They've yeah. been buddies all this time. And I got a, the chance to talk with other moms and dads about how to advice on how to handle any situation virtually yeah. I mean, when they get disruptive or whatever it is how do you handle this what, what do you do right. and it, it's also a great observation moment right. you can see how other parents handle things in the wild right if right. you will and and you can look at your child and somewhat compare them to the other children yeah. in terms of you know, development or behavior and that kind of thing and it's it's fast to learn about how typical your kid is. He's yeah. not outstandingly brilliant or outstandingly outstandingly not so brilliant, right. you know, because of the trouble to get into. Sometimes you just have to remember back when you were five or six or eight years old. Of, right. Okay, you weren't perfect either, and remember the time you climbed on the curtain. Right. And stuff. It's good. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, if people want to follow you or see what you're up to, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, look me up on Facebook. Okay. Best thing. There we go. All right. Thank you so much, Steve. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be right back after this. Crikey, we're back. Wait, what? It's wrong. wrong. That, that's Steve, that's right. Steve Irwin with a nine, not right, Steve Irwin right. with an E. Wrong, Steve Irwin. Yep. That was a great interview. I think one of my highlights was when he talked about uh, the dad who brought his son dressed up as Deathstroke to Steve's table, so Steve could appreciate that his son was dressed up as Deathstroke, like to the hilt. <laughs> How surreal like, does right? that have to be? It was so cool. And I remember when I brought Steve uh, back to where we were interviewing all of our guests in the in the the premium area, if you will. Oh, the premium. Yes, oh, man. the premium only with the, my pinky only, sticking only, out. Only, only the premium area for our guests. No, uh, when I was bringing him back, I just said, how cool is it to see, I don't even know how we started talking about this, but like I have like random one-off conversations with the guests that we have. With way too much profanity on your part, by the way. Yeah, of course, bad. obviously. Uh, but I said, how surreal is it to see these guests, these characters you created on TV? And he said, it's amazing. I loved seeing Deathstroke in Arrow. Like he started off talking about that. And I said, is there any part of you that's like, oh, I wish they would have incorporated this aspect of his character or he would have looked this way? You know, just like in general, like, oh, this is cool, but it could have been better. And he's like, no, not at all. And I think he touches on that a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's so cool where he's like, no, not at all. It's 100 percent like I just love it. I'm just so excited that they loved the character I worked on so much that they chose to just make it part of this TV or in uh, Justice League aspect movie. the movie yeah yeah for sure so that was cool yeah that was very cool uh steve thank you so much for being on we really look forward to talking to you again and i i hope you will come back especially being local that's right with us dude it's crazy how many awesome people are in dfw i know I'm just gonna throw like, that out there like i think with the exception of one or two people we talked to everybody was actually a local 
artist. Or had local is, ties. Yeah, or had yeah. local ties. Which is very cool. Like, Andrea wasn't local from uh, The Shepherd, but Roberta lives in Waxahachie, which is fairly local. Which we're, we're throwing that out there so that you can stalk <laughs> I don't know why. Is that. I think yeah. I only. Also, I his only, home address <laughs> and social security <laughs> number. I think I only threw that out there to be like, the odds of them being at another local Comic-Con is greater than if they were both just from out of state. Sure, sure, for sure. That's my so, recovery, and I'm sticking with it. Anyways, we hope you enjoyed our talk with Steve Irwin uh, because we for sure enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for listening to it. But now, guys, it's time for America's favorite segment, Dad Joke of the Week. Galan, do you have one for us? I do. Why don't you share it, and then I'll share one just to run the segment like I did last time. <laughs> <laughs> so my grandfather was at my grandma's funeral, and I asked him, are you all right? He's like, no, I'm half left. <laughs> That's funny. We've shared that one before on the Todd Pipes episode. I just oh, want to say that. Did you That's just re-listen to that? No. I, just s- know- I shared oh, that you, one on the Todd the- Pipes episode. Uh, That's just, I just want to throw that That's out. That's a throwback. It's a throwback. All right. Okay. I, I got a recovery then. Okay. Okay. Uh, I watched a bug hit the windshield while I was driving the other day, and I said, Betty doesn't have the guts to do that again. Wow. Nice. Wow. Nice. I like I that like one. I like that good. one. That good. is a dad joke. T- Dude. You're coming strong. You're coming. You're coming correct two weeks in a row like because it. that's also something you could tell your kid <laughs> every time a bug splattered on your windshield. That's right. I have one here for you. If I might risk ruining this segment, please do. Uh, do you know that uh, I know a girl that has a boyfriend with a wooden leg, but she broke it off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I didn't oh, quite ruin it. Oh, double, that's good. I like double it. Double meaning to that. Double meaning. To, I like oh, it. Oh, good point. <laughs> That is a that's an adult dad joke. <laughs> I like yes, it. he broke it off. All right. Oh, Joe. Joe you, yeah. <laughs> no, I want to end it there. Okay, that's it. That that's was fantastic. It. All right. Jump up on it. So, guys, at the end of every episode, we also play a different game <laughs> called the hashtag game, where we vote on contenders that Joe shares as to what should be the hash, official hashtag of this episode. Joe, do you have contenders? For I us do. Well? Sock it to me, baby. I've got. I can't. She broke it off. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Uh, what's that? Uh, big rhyme they do. Uh, like the notorious B I G. One more time. Oh, oh, no, it's no. Uh, and I go big? downtown, baby. Downtown oh, yes, down yes. the roller coaster. Sweet, That's right. sweet yes, yes. I don't remember. Uh, Ice cream soda pop, vanilla on the pop. Woo, Shalita, walking down the street ten times a week. I did it. I said it. I stole my mama's credit. I'm cool. I'm hot. Suck you in the stomach three more times. Three more times. There's That's a couple right. of lines By I can never way, remember. Yeah, yeah. It's in a vanilla downtown on the top. Baby, it's cherry on the top, right? Don't let me go. That is totally different. Uh, I than said a girlfriend, a Trisket. She baby. said a Trisket, a biscuit, ice cream, soda pop, vanilla on the top. Woo, shit. Oh, okay. Fair, from enough. There. Fair enough. Right. Nice. Wow. And actually, uh, Tom, I wish I, there was a hashtag in there. I could have seen. I've seen Good Tom Hanks do a recent video where he actually still remembers that. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, dude. Big is one of my top three. It's a. Gr- oh, really? Yeah. Up it's there with Shawshank and Goodwill Hunting. Somehow, Big does that, but that's a show that that's a movie I can just watch. And the way that Tom Hanks acts out that innocence I of made a kid. A, I made a hashtag, so. Oh, okay. So that's okay. You can Ooh, introduce it. it. All right, so no, hit us. that would have been good. I didn't spell that. Hit us. Okay. Trisket I'm, a biscuit. Hashtag Trisket a biscuit. No, uh, you know what? Late, conti- late conti- No, you know, I'm not. That could have been a contender. I closed, I closed the doors. Yeah, yeah it's it's already. It's Polling out has been closed. Too bad that couldn't have happened in 2016. That's right. Then then we would have had another vote for Gary? I don't know. I don't know who that vote would have gone Gary on line two. <laughs> Eats of the Rockies. Uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. That's a no. coast-to-coast AM reference. <laughs> it is. It is good. No. Wild card line. Hashtag manga vanilla. 
<laughs> manga vanilla. Because we were talking about how do you say uh, Joe manga? What's manganella? And I just said manga vanilla. I don't know. Nice. And you were like, yeah, I think that's right. I, think I mean, that's it's, right. It's, it's like manga vanilla or something. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> that needs to be your character voice when we do the Patreon segment. Right. That needs yes. to be your. Uh, hashtag, I don't know about that. No, probably not. <laughs> hashtag Irwin with an E. And hashtag rapping galan with an N. Not the first time, because just just to add a bonus onto that, I believe it goes, man, you got to dig the groove is sound. The turtles are coming up from the ground. We got a message that we have found. Got to keep rapping. Got to keep talking. Ready to go. Let's get on with the show. Cowabunga. I want to. You, you know what? No, no. This is my vote. It, <laughs> In honor of Steve Irwin being on the Detox podcast for the first time, I've got to say hashtag Irwin with an E. Okay. I, I got to second that. Let's just do I can't, it. I can't do any Seth referential Let's do hashtag Irwin with an E. I have pride. But Rappin, Van- Rappin, Rappin Galan is was a strong contender. Manga Vanilla was pretty close. You know what? Let's make Rappin Galan a co-tag. Let's do it. Oh, a co-tag. Not I, to be confused I do not, I do with not something that. that you bros have to buy for your wives. <laughs> All right, anyways, that being said, guys, if you are a dad that needs to have your story told or you know of other dads that deserve to have their dad stories told because you're all fat dad and with your f- memory foam money, we have, re- we have really brought that back with the, f- the vengeance over I know, the last I four forgot weeks. about it. I, like I it. really yeah. enjoy it. I like uh, it. Let's never forget it again. That's right. So, Galan, uh, where can people contact us if they want to comment or complain or let us know of stories? <laughs> well, John, we can do it at detoxpodcast.com. No, I, I, he- I hesitate because, as Joe mentioned, like we're recording these kind of like in a session, like going back, and and there's there's some imbibing of the uh, of alcohol going on, and Joe is in there giving John grief for having a, a full, you know, a handful, and Joe is one behind him. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, were you making fun of me? And I didn't even. I was. I'm, I'm, I was. Only, I'm the only one that's sober. That's only why. because I'm on doing keto and that's like why. one of these one of these beers is <laughs> that's like. That's funny. I didn't even my realize you were making fun of me. That's why Galan was quiet because I was like I was like about to say something. I'm like, you have and I have. Uh. But <laughs> okay. if you if you're on keto or you enjoy the occasional beer or you like our hashtag gamer dad jokes, go to detoxpodcast.com. That's that BT. is what I call smooth recovery. You know what? Galan is like a chimpanzee riding on a Segway. He's going to get it done. You just don't know how. That's right. D-T-A-L-K-S dot com. Now, just in case you weren't aware, that's st- or podcast.com. That stands for Dad's Talking About Live Kids and Stuff because acronyms are my life. That's right. You Galan can also- is the one that came up with the uh, the name of the podcast. And you know, there's, a, there's a difference it. between acronyms and initialism. That's true. Acronyms you that. can actually say as a word. Initials, you spell them out. But anyway, so go to detoxpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, including Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. You'll find a link to our Patreon where for two bucks a month you can get access to all of the bonus content. There are other tiers out there, but hey, two bucks, that's not memory foam money. That's like mattress on sale money. Um that's barely dollar store money. Yeah, that's like that's like four tacos of Jack in the Box. But anyway, you can go there. You uh yeah, you know they you actually I mean they raise the price at all. Oh, the they? Well yeah, there's like a buck twenty nine now. Yeah, I mean but um you can go off. to <laughs> no, you can uh you can find our um email address there and it's detoxpodcast at gmail dot com. Um you can also listen to us on Vocal Now, that's V O K A L Now dot com or download the vocal app. 
um, on either of the uh, the app stores. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. So listen Spotify, to us on what? the go. Dude, you guys should listen to us on Spotify so that we'll literally get point zero 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 one cent per listen. Yep. But you know what? Spotify constantly promotes new and engaging podcasts, and I would like to think we are one of those. We're not. We're not. But I would like to think. I would we like are. to think that we are. Go on. Thank you very much. And also, right. hopefully this summer we will be launching a new free question mark segment on Patreon. Yeah. So yes, a new question, a new a new question mark on Patreon, a new Patreon segment. Yep. So be, on the, we, be we, on the lookout for that. We are also doing a giveaway, which Joe is yes. going to summarize for us. That's right. Think Fun is a company that does educational and fun games for children. They promote STEM, engineering, and coding. Not to be confused with hacking. Not to be confused with hacking. That's right. right. Uh, the game they are doing as a giveaway for us is called Laser Chess, the beam directing strategy game. $39.99 on Amazon at your local toy dealers. Uh, we, if you like our Facebook page, by the end of May, you are automatically entered. And if you've already liked our page, you're already entered into that contest. Uh, what is Laser Chess? It's a two-player strategy game that combines the spatial thinking skills of chess with the high-tech fun of laser beams. Players alternate turns, moving their mirrored pieces around the board. And at the end of each turn, players fire a real certified... Laser. And what kids don't like lasers? Right? Just don't stare directly into it, children. The beam bounces from mirror to mirror, and if it strikes a non-mirrored surface of any piece, it is immediately removed from play. If you illuminate your opponent's king, you win. Laser Chess is a Mensa Select winner and earned a parent-tested, parent-approved top pick at Toy Fairs 2018. You, you could win that. That's right. Uh, I mean, honestly, if you're going to play a game with your kids... I don't know what's cooler than playing a game with actual lasers in it. Uh, yeah, I I, I don't mean, know. Of it's one. best to play educational games, but if you're going to play something, it's like laser tag from when we were a kid, but you get to kill chess pieces with That's it. That's right. And who doesn't love to take out chess pieces with That's lasers? Right. So anyways, guys, go like the Detox Podcast on Facebook, and if you're having a hard time following that or finding that, you can go to detoxpodcast.com, and we have a link to our Facebook page. So we look forward to giving this away to one lucky winner. Thank you so much for listening to it. We appreciate it, and the feedback we get from you guys makes it totally worth it. Um, I want to say one more time thank you to Steve Irwin. Yes. It was a really cool interview. And if you guys have are unfamiliar with his work, make sure that you go out and, and just, I don't know, buy buy some, buy like, some of his stuff because yeah, it's really awesome. Anything with Checkmate, I'm 99% sure he's there. I think for most, if not all, of the run. Um, but specifically Deathstroke, The Terminator, Trade Paperbacks, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, he's there. And uh, he's local, so if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I think he's going to be at an upcoming – any upcoming Dallas cons or conventions, he might be there, and you can get him to sign it. So Pretty check awesome. It so be sure to tune in next week because we are going to feature an artist that has drawn Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ooh. And Star Wars. And is currently drawing Star Wars. So. That's right. That's pretty cool. This, this, so, one, this one had me nerding out. So, John – Wraps yep. up. So that's pretty awesome. So, guys, thanks for listening. And until next time, we've got some uh, co hashtag winners here. Hashtag ah. Erwin, with, Erwin with an E. Hashtag Rappin' Galan. And of course, as always, hashtag Be a Better Dad. Special thanks to John, 
and Eddie for supporting the podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.